Welcome back to I Saw the Light, the podcast that brings into focus the light of Christ. I am your host, Calvin Cassidy. Tonight is a very special show. The light focuses on the nation's unvaccinated children. My question is society sacrificing our children for public opinion? Almighty God, Heavenly Father, you have blessed us with the joy and care of children. Give us calm strength and patient wisdom as we bring them up, that we may teach them to love whatever is just and true and good, following the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A child, the icon for innocence and purity and simplicity, their eyes searching for truth and security. Their innocence is interrupted by an unforgiving virus and a face covering that can be the difference between life and death. Our unvaccinated children, they have no choice. At present, there is no vaccine to protect our children up to age 11. There is no vaccination mandate, so many students in middle school, junior high, and high school remain unvaccinated, and in some cases, teachers, staff, administrators, and other school employees remain unvaccinated, and a portion of our adult population remains unvaccinated. I earlier envisioned this piece as an investigative report, but as I was reading the research and studying public opinion, my conclusion is you can report on what is believable, you can report on what is truth, and you can report on what is false. The difficulty lies in the false but believable category. So. I decided to get right to the point. The question to be answered by every parent, grandparent, caregiver, teacher, principal, superintendent, and to be answered by every school board member, the question to be answered by every city council member, every mayor, every elected official, and by all those in positions of leadership. Are you prepared to watch a school child die from this health crisis? Let me repeat that. Are you prepared to watch a school child die from this health crisis? I think, or at least I would hope, that we can all agree that the answer to this question is no. I remember when I was in kindergarten, one of my classmates and his father were killed in a car crash. I learned grieving for a classmate at an early age. For a five-year-old, it was devastating, though short-lived. The loss of this one child interrupted normal school activities and left students and staff and the community saddened for weeks. 
there was no procedures to be followed by the school. There was no guilt or negligence associated with this death by the school. But the finality of death stops normal activities and leaves the world different than it was before. Nobody wants to see the death of our children at school. Since that event, I have been blessed to never have to deal with a student death from my classroom in my 40-year teaching career. So on we go, plowing into a third school year with the virus a centerpiece for educational success. What makes this year different? The biggest difference is the presence of the vaccine, a choice for protection. The problem is the vaccine is not mandated. The growth and spread of the virus manifests itself with the unvaccinated. There is a new strain, the Delta variant, that is proven to be more infectious and equally deadly as the original strain. The Delta variant is now infecting younger populations. The elderly were first to line up for the vaccine. There has been an uptake in child infectious infections among young children. The virus has already killed one school-aged youngster in Mississippi. The first child has died. Another notable change masking up the one health protocol that provided the most protection pre-vaccine was mandated in the beginning by state and local governments and other public establishments. As we moved into the second COVID school year, for no reason other than public opinion, mask regulations were relaxed. And in the minds of the anti-maskers, this was a victory and they would not accept defeat again. At this time, no vaccination, no maskers are in control of public opinion. State officials refuse to mandate either and the Missouri Attorney General is suing school districts that are enforcing mask mandates and the arguments by a very small minority are as hot as ever, some bordering on physical violence. Now let's look at our question again. Are you prepared to watch a school child die from this health crisis? With public opinion being as it is, we must make a choice. Do we do nothing? and leave a whole generation of children unprotected to a killer virus that has already taken at least one child with others throughout the country fighting for their lives? Or can we give in to our personal adult views and convictions and do what is best to protect the unprotected? If a community experiences 
a breakout Delta crisis, infections and possible deaths will spread quicker than a wildfire. This has already happened in other parts of the country. Unfortunately, science has shown a correlation suggesting that those who do not support vaccination also do not support wearing masks. This is a plea for the safety of our children. Adults make concessions based not on public opinion, but on doing the right thing. Let this be a call to action. Protecting our children is simple. One, get vaccinated. Follow the scientific model. Everybody needs to be vaccinated. Next, model mask wearing behavior. Young children respect parents and other adults and will want to follow your example. This is counterproductive if adults continue to hold out on this proven protocol. Do what you can to correct public opinion. Politicians can be replaced, but the death of a child is forever. And finally, this is not a political piece. It is a cry to save this current generation of children. Remember this one thing. I do not want to be responsible in any way for the death of a child. In the beginning, we were all in this together. Let's make it that way again. You are listening to I Saw the Light. I'm your host, Calvin Cassidy. Welcome back to I Saw the Light, the podcast that brings into focus the light of Christ. Tonight the light shines on jobs, choices, and childhood dreams. I'm your host, Calvin Cassidy. I got the idea for tonight's program from the following Facebook prompt. You have been successful in your chosen occupation, but when you were growing up, what was your childhood dream job? Like everyone, I had my share of dreams. As early as elementary school, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to get the scoop. I studied all aspects of presenting the news as well as weather and sports. And I wanted to write the news. But I also wanted to report the news. And I was probably uh, 9 or 10 years old when this all started. I had my tape recorder that I could use for interviews and I would practice doing play-by-play by turning the volume down on the TV for football and basketball and baseball. I started two newspapers at my young age, one in my elementary school when I was about uh, 11 years old and my other when I was a freshman uh, in a junior high school in, in uh, 
Springdale, Arkansas. When I was in high school, I took journalism and writing classes. I was a member of the high school newspaper staff and served as sports editor and had my own column my senior year. Writing was always a possibility that was out there. Other days, I wanted to be a musician. I liked singing and was always a part of select choirs through elementary school. In junior high, I began band playing the trumpet, and during my junior high days, I taught myself to play the guitar. I helped organize and was a singer for a rock band. In high school, I continued my music interest, playing in the marching band, the concert band, and the jazz band. I liked all kinds of music. I also learned to play several different instruments, including the baritone, the tuba, and the trombone, and I was a self-taught piano player. Well, I could play the piano well enough to lead a song. In college, I played in the marching band, and I organized a spirit band that traveled to out-of-town sporting events. Playing music and directing music was another possibility. Then there were other days when I wanted to be an athlete. All boys want to be an athlete. Or I might settle for a coach. Because of my size, sporting competition was limited. I did play tennis in high school and college. While playing time was limited, I was an avid fan of basketball, baseball, and track and field. Coaching was also in the running for my dream job. While all these dreams were possibilities, I chose to follow in the footsteps of my parents and be an educator. That is when my father stepped in. His profession as an educator ranged from classroom teacher, a school principal, and a guidance counselor. When we discussed my future, his goal was not to promote a job in any field. His wishes for me were happiness and success. His question for me was, what do you want to do with your life? My number one priority, aside from earning a living, was to help others be happy and successful. A career in education provided a pathway to achieve these goals. What about my dream job? There were educational components for each of my childhood wishes, but what would be my area of emphasis? Where could I help the most? Where could I have the most influence? A teacher of music, a teacher of athletics, a teacher of writing. Which would it be? After much discussion, I selected elementary education, a teacher of children. What better time to help youngsters develop ideas of respect and success? What better age to help students explore 
and discover as they develop a foundation to support their dreams, I was satisfied with my choice. But again, the question, what about my childhood dreams? While my teaching degree was in elementary education, there were unlimited opportunities to work on satisfying my dreams. I found out that my training and interest in music, with my training and interest in music, I could present music programs from the very first year. My father reminded me that I could enjoy music in many forms without additional certification. In my 30 years in the classroom teaching elementary school, I directed and produced at least two programs a year for many different occasions. My two favorite yearly programs were Veterans Day and Mother's Day and of course Christmas. I emphasized developing a lifetime skill in music that might become a dream for you as you pursued your chosen career. One dream down, next a connection with athletics through physical education. Another interest that has many facets, but did not require more college. I successfully coached youth basketball, Little League Baseball, and youth track and field. Athleticism was not a primary emphasis in these coaching experiments. Team play, respect for the game and your opponents, and having fun was what I looked for in realizing this dream. It was great fun for the kids and helped me keep physically fit. In some cases, it even allowed some subtle weight control for some struggling tweens. While my writing dream was realized, it was slow going in the classroom. Most 11 and 12 year old students like sports or music, but not very many will choose writing as the number one interest. One method of encouraging writing was publication. As I had realized my dream early on in elementary school, I wanted to help provide opportunities for those students that I was teaching to uh, realize some of, the, some of the good feelings that comes from personal writing. And so I created a classroom newspaper almost from the very beginning and as it grew through my teaching career it became a, became a very nice piece of uh, piece of work that, that the community could even be proud of. I also published a writing booklet at the end of each year a creative book with even a little bit of creative art that drew from articles produced by students throughout the year. While there were many opportunities to allow for writing success in my teaching assignments, my most relevant successes in journalism happened outside the classroom. While teaching, I was a sports writer for two local newspapers and wrote a column for the National Audubon Society. 
Also, for 14 years, I was a sports broadcaster and analyst for high school sports. It was a standing joke at school that my broadcast partner and I had called more Final Four games than ESPN. While most of those stories are dated memories, at least three of my music students realized careers in music and music in the music profession. Some had professional music contracts. Several of my youth athletes had exceptional careers in college athletics, and three made it to the NFL on a Super Bowl on a Super Bowl okay, in one case he even made it to the Super Bowl. I know of one who pursued a career I know of one who pursued a career in journalism. All that success in helping me realize that child my childhood dreams. What about today? As I look forward to my 70th birthday in a few weeks, I continue to write and publish. In addition to this podcast, I also publish a weekly blog in LinkedIn and will begin producing a video blog again called Intermission in the fall. But the biggest part of my dream and my legacy is the publishing of the spiritual book Bridging the Gap a spiritual journey to heaven and back. So as you prepare to launch your career, don't forget about your childhood dreams. Your legacy may be one of those dreams. This is I Saw the Light. I am your host, Calvin Cassidy.